0: This week on Buffett the Gilmore Slayer.
1: What's going on? Why why, does she love him? What is this? It's weird when they talk about this in front of us.
0: Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer, I'm Brian Morris.
1: I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
0: And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching
1: both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week we watch season seven, episode 15 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Get It Done.
1: As well as Gilmore Girls, I Am Kayak, Hear Me Roar. Oh man, things are things are changing, Brian. Buffy saw the future... Liz told Luke how to feel, whether she knew it or not.
0: And I mean, really, it's about a woman deciding that she doesn't need men supporting her in her life. And maybe that's a good decision. Maybe it's not.
1: Is that what Buffy's about? Oh, yeah. Those men.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we'll get into more of all of that.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: There's only eight episodes left.
0: Oh, it's insane.
1: There'll be more podcast episodes because the Year in the Life recaps, blah, blah, blah. But there's only eight Episodes of each show left. I know. Including this one. I know. We've done so many and now there's so few.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy that I like remember when I was in like season two, waiting for season three or like season three, like season four is gonna look different.
1: I know, like, oh man, Jess is coming. What's he gonna think of Jess? That was so long ago.
0: I know it's crazy.
1: Now you love Logan?
0: Uh I'm fine with Logan.
1: Okay. There's so much to unpack with these shows still. Yeah. I feel like we're gonna be unpacking these shows the rest of our lives. Indeed. This is our identity now. And that's that was maybe the goal, to like truly appreciate each other's shows as much as we appreciated them ourselves.
0: Yeah. We've complained before about how the quality of Buffy this season doesn't seem that great.
1: Like the, the video quality.
0: Yes, not the writing. The video quality looks not great. Like, it reminds me of season one of Buffy, honestly. Someone told us that we should check out the DVDs because the DVDs are still good, and the problem we were experiencing was because we were watching the remaster, which honestly does zoom in on a lot of scenes i had forgotten that this wasn't widescreen yet which is silly that i forgot that uh but they zoom in on a lot of the scenes so they like stretch a lot of the picture and depending on what they're trying to showcase in the scenes, sometimes that really affects something sometimes it doesn't affect it as much but we put in the dvds and we were watching specifically this episode we're discussing today because it's got some really rough scenes in it and what i will say is that the person that told us about the DVDs was right in that the DVDs look much better. When it's not cropped for widescreen, it's not nearly as zoomed in, and it does look better. However, it still doesn't look great. And there's just a lot of scenes that I'm like, this, even not zoomed in, doesn't look very good. And that's why it looks so bad when it's zoomed in. And this episode, there's a scene where they try to like put an effect over it, sort of like a bright light. And it looks bad on the DVD too. It looks horrible zoomed in. It just looks very bad normally.
1: It's You mean in the desert? Yes. Yeah. I will say I think it looked better when I rewatch it on my computer than it did on our TV, which is very large by the way. No big deal. <laughs> Brian likes when I tell people it's big.
0: My TV. <laughs> Uh, So I don't know what happened this season, if it was just, like, they got a new lighting guy or they couldn't afford a good camera. I don't know. It's weird.
1: It could have been some kind of filter for the desert. But did you say you rewatched, like, some of those episodes a couple ago where they were, like, in the house? Yeah,
0: and they do look better, but it still seems like there's a quality dip in the film from previous seasons.
1: Yeah, something's up. Anyway. Well, we do have a bunch of five-star reviews. Ooh, go on. Again, I apologize. We're on a double delay now because we didn't do an episode last week, but we've kept recording them. So this is coming out in June, but just so you know, we're recording it like middle of May. (laughs) So if you've left us a five-star review, we'll get to it. We're just at a different place in time than you are. Yeah. We got a five-star review on Facebook. Thank you so much to Gladys Cruz. We got some nice comments on Spotify. Thank you to Baked Baker, Kat, and Connie Saito.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I had someone email me to point out that they left a review on a platform called Podcast Addict. So shout out to Gemds. Thank you. Gemd Gems? I'm not sure how you pronounce that. J-E-M-D-S. Also on Podcast Addict, I noticed that we had two more. I'm not sure if I've shouted these out before. I kind of feel like I've said these names in the past. So maybe I checked that forever ago and just hadn't been lately. If I didn't, shout out to Surveys the Monkey and Frosty the Champ. If we thanked you twice, thank you twice. Thank you, thank you. We got a new one from Audible. Thank you to Elba. Thank you. We got a couple from Apple Podcast. Shout out to Eyebrow Waggle.
0: Thank you. Nice name.
1: And Amethyst Moon for real life. Thank you. Brian, I noticed you've been saying thank you to all these, but Amethyst Moon actually has some beef with you. Beef with me? With you. Me? Um, yeah, so they have an unrequited rivalry with you because when they subscribe to Patreon, you didn't thank them or the other new member back in episode 6.8, and apparently it's the only time you haven't thanked your new Patreon subscriber.
0: I suspect you edited my thank you out for some reason. That
1: could be true. Maybe you said it weird or...
0: Or I burped or like...
1: Maybe we put things out of order. Squeak. It could be my fault, but if you'd like to thank Amethyst Moon and Brittany now, you may. You, okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs>
0: thank you i'm kidding thank you so much thank you both you thank you i'm sorry that i didn't thank you previously
1: i'm sorry if i edited it out for some reason i do kind of recall there being one where there wasn't a thank you and i was like how do i deal with that
0: yeah you don't want to paste in a thank you i didn't mean
1: right maybe it sounded insincere i was like well i can't have that in there (laughs) i'm sure he meant to thank you we are very grateful for every single one of our patreons we are thank you so much and lastly, shout out to Adriana from Steven, aka Cuddlecakes.
0: Thanks, Cuddlecakes.
1: Well, I think that Cuddlecakes actually I asked and I think Cuddle Cakes is both of them.
0: I, I'm lost what's happening right now, I'm sorry.
1: A man named Steven emailed and asked if we would shout out his girlfriend Adriana.
0: Adriana, how you doing? This is Brian. Hope you're doing great.
1: Yeah, Cuddle Cakes is really into you, from what I can tell. Why do you think they call each other cuddle Cakes?
0: I mean, we call each other some weird ass names. I call you Sleepy Panda.
1: In your honey badger, we've maybe said this, right? But why do we do that? Do we even I don't know? know? Cuddle cakes, yeah, but they—I
0: mean, they probably cuddle. That would yeah. be my guess.
1: Yeah, and they maybe, and they're sweet. They're sweet, like frosting. Maybe they're sticky. Okay. Why are you honey badger? I think that one, like, really famous YouTube honey badger video kind of came out right when we started dating.
0: Yeah, it sounds right.
1: And I was just kind of into pandas, and I was tired one day, and a panda ate me and took my skin.
0: Yeah, and I noticed and I was like trying to be cool about it cuz I don't want to get eaten.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm I've just been a, a panda in Stacy's skin ever since. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everyone's got nicknames. But seriously, thank you Adriana and Stephen for listening to us every week. Mm-hmm. We're glad you enjoy us as a couple cuz we enjoy each other as a couple. Sexually. No other ways.
0: <laughs> I really Hate her voice. She hates mine.
1: <laughs> and I have to listen to his voice so many times every week. I know. Even when we're not talking.
0: I can't imagine what that'd be like.
1: Okay, Brian. Should we get into these episodes?
0: Let's do it. Okay, so this week we started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stacy, please tell us all about Get It Done.
1: Get It Done is about Buffy being real mean to everybody.
0: <laughs> it's a theme this season.
1: I mean, to try to inspire them to, to do better, but she kind of makes a mistake, really, and I guess she gets people to do better, though. I make it sound like it's bad. That's not the case. It's just, um, those, those are true things that happen. Yeah. And Giles isn't there. Nope. Anyway, so Buffy is walking through her house at night, checking on everyone as they sleep. There's now just a million girls staying there.
0: This is so funny, because every episode, they've been, like, keeping girls out of the episode Girls that were there one week just aren't there with no explanation for an episode or two or three. Sometimes they have reasons why the girls aren't there. Sometimes they just don't. Just two of them are there. Just three of them are there. And now everybody's there.
1: There's like 30, maybe. Yeah. 20? There's a lot. There's two people in all beds. Every square inch of floor is covered in sleeping bag.
0: It's a straight up hostel at this point.
1: Yeah. Not a good one.
0: I mean... That's generally most hostels
1: <laughs> True. There's one bathroom. That's not possible for this amount of females. Maybe Xander built a new one. Well, one girl is not sleeping. Miranda from Lizzie McGuire is back, Chloe, and she's curled up crying in the hallway. Buffy goes to check on her, but then gets attacked by the first slayer.
0: That's right. The first slayer, like from Restless?
1: Yes. She pushes her down the stairs and tells Buffy that it's not enough. Buffy wakes up. It was all a dream. But there's still a million girls sleeping everywhere. That part was real. Kind of feels like they should split up the girls a bit. Like, have some stay at Xander's place. I guess they want Buffy's protection.
0: Buffy and Willow's protection.
1: Yeah. And maybe there's, like, a protection spell around the house. But it's not like Buffy and Willow are there constantly. You pointed out that, like,
0: someone could throw a of cocktail or a of mocktail <laughs> at the, uh... That's a
1: Gilmore reference that you haven't heard yet? ...at
0: the house and kill all of them. Uh, it might be a good idea to have some of those eggs in different baskets.
1: Yes. Like the bringers know where they are. They've broken in before.
0: Yeah. I mean the first can see everything pretty much.
1: I'm not really sure what's stopping them from breaking in again. But again, maybe Willow's got some kind of spell up. Is Willow in school? They like set up that she was trying to go back, but they literally have not touched that since.
0: I don't think so. Before we go further, I, I wanna propose a theory. Mm. I've got a theory. I think that the first is power fluctuates. And I think the Bringers give it a lot of power. And this is not something that's going to, like, come up in the next episode to explain. This is just my interpretation. And so when it, like, throws the Bringers at Buffy and she kills a bunch of them, like, their faith and belief and, like, rituals are not powering the first as much. So it sort of maybe doesn't want to throw everything at Buffy until it's ready. Okay. Like, she was able to, like, to make the first go away by, like, breaking some of its stuff and killing its minions in season three. Right, so right. I think that it's like, yeah, okay, I could just rush it with a bunch of my first, but I tried that and Buffy killed them all. So maybe I should wait a bit until I'm a little bit stronger. And after she kills the first Turhan, she even says that it's sort of like gone into remission for a little bit. Yeah. So I think its power fluctuates and it doesn't want to just do a big attack because it would lose power then. It needs those like worshippers to keep it going. Anyway, that's my thoughts.
1: Okay, well, Anya and Spike are going out drinking together, I guess to escape the house full of girls. Anya's maybe trying to make it a date, or at least maybe make sex happen.
0: I think it's pretty clear she wants sex.
1: Yeah, Spike doesn't. She keeps talking, and Spike kind of out of nowhere says, Oh, thank God, a demon. (laughs) (laughs) And Anya gets tackled by a demon who says, "De Hoffren says you die. Spike's like, I don't think so, man. Beats up the demon and runs away with Anya. A little more on that later. The next day, Buffy and Principal Wood are reprimanding two fully adult high school students. Like, one of them (laughs) might be the janitor. He might have grandkids. He looks 40. It's funny. After they leave, Principal Wood starts closing all the blinds. He mentions to Buffy that there's been a lot of naughty students lately, so he suspects the Hellmouth is causing bad things faster than he expected. So he presents her with a bag that belonged to his mother, who we now know was a Slayer. Mm Mm-hmm. This bag should have technically been passed down through the Slayer line to Buffy, but he's kind of just been hanging on to it. He also tells her that he wants to visit her Slayer headquarters, so she takes him to the summy Res. They bump into Andrew, who's upset that this funnel cake is kicking his ass.
0: I mean, he's trying to—he's trying to cook it.
1: Who cooks funnel cake? That's like a thing. You got to like deep fry that. Carnival people know how to make. Yeah. Buffy's like, "Yeah, this is our hostage, Andrew," but he's like kind of fine with that. He cooks. Andrew shows them his big board, which is just kind of a nonsense map he's made on a whiteboard where he's, like, tracking the appearances of the first, but so far there's no rhyme or reason to any of that. I think that might be the only time we see him in this episode. I don't think he's there later when they're, like, doing the spell and stuff.
0: Before we go further, we want to do a quick apology for all of the noise. Our upstairs neighbors are doing their random bowling ball lessons, and... Also, our neighbor that used to play jingles, I guess, has been hired to make a new jingle, and you might hear some of that too.
1: Oh my god, he stopped literally like right before we started recording, but he was playing the same little plunky song on his piano for like three hours. I know uh, the rolling's coming my way now. Well, we warned you. Buffy takes Principal Wood out back, where Kennedy is leading a bunch of the girls very militarily in some martial arts drills. She calls Miranda from Lizzie McGuire maggot, which is interesting because in the Disney Channel original movie Cadet Kelly, Christy Carlson Romano calls Hilary Duff, Lizzie McGuire, maggot. Oh, wow. Right? It's we- and that came out before this. It almost feels like a reference.
0: Maybe she was like, hey, I saw that in a show. I-, I like when people call other people maggots. Can someone do that to me?
1: <laughs> Principal Wood isn't super impressed with this, though, because the first is sort of unpredictable, and a couple of martial arts drills aren't going to change that. Buffy's like, yeah, some of them are probably going to die. There's not a lot I can do about that. She says this a lot, actually. She's like, said this in other episodes, maybe to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, don't let all of them die then. Willow comes out with an armful of weapons, clocks the principal, and is like, oh, yes, as you can see, our preparations for the school drill prep pep (laughs) dance are going well.
0: It's kind of hard to explain all this shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bobby's like, yeah, it, it's cool, Willow. I, I told him what's up. She's like, oh, thank God. If I had to explain all these weapons, I had nothing. Because <laughs> like, she had something for the first part. Right. He mentions that he knows she does magic. Willow mentions she thinks he's so much cooler than Snyder. But Principal Wood is probably really here to actually see Spike. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he found out that Spike killed his mommy. Spike is downstairs with Anya. She's upset about Spike's methods of trying to keep her alive, because he's not just killing the demons, he's, like, running away with her, because if he does fight the demons and they win, they'll kill her. I guess that makes sense.
0: Yeah, but it is, it's a little strange that he didn't kill the demon, because you think, yeah, the demon's gonna be out there killing people still.
1: Right. Then Buffy comes down with the principal. Spike's like, cool, another good guy in the big fight against evil. And Principal Wood's like, is that what you are? A good guy? Spike's like, well, I haven't heard any complaints. Well, I have heard a few complaints over the years, but then I just killed whoever spoke up, and that was pretty much that. But that's the (laughs) old me. I like
0: that line, though. I like that line a lot, because it seemed like he was lying. (laughs) He's like, nah, I
1: killed him, though. (laughs) Then the two of them have this weird, close confrontation where they exchange words, but like don't really say anything. But it's clear they don't really like or trust one another.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean... Every single scene with Principal Wood, is just like this glaring, I'm gonna kill you, like intense eye contact thing he's doing.
1: Why do you think he's not killing him? Is he just wanting to like trust Buffy and hope that Spike is good somehow? Or is he not well, wanting I to I think he's trying Buffy? to
0: understand what's happening. Like, why sure. does she have a vampire there? Like, what's the story? Mm-hmm. Like, there's gotta be some reason. It might turn out that... He's connected to Buffy somehow. If you kill him, she dies too. You know, he doesn't know why. It's, it's very bizarre that a vampire's fighting for the side of good. Why is that happening? Yeah. Also, he probably wants to confirm for sure that he is the one that killed his mother before he maybe ruins his relationship with Buffy by killing him.
1: Which he maybe almost does later in the episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, his mom told him, but I guess that was also the first.
0: Yeah. And he suspects pretty harshly that it's him. But yeah, the first told him. You don't, you're not going to just trust the first for sure. Trust, but verify.
1: Later, Dawn is telling Buffy that she took a peek inside the bag from Principal Wood. She says she's working on translating some Sumerian from a big book that was in there. And she also says there's a big box in there that they can't open, but she bets it's important. It is. (laughs) They're kind of joking about Dawn not doing her actual schoolwork when they come across Chloe, Miranda from Lizzie McGuire, hanging from the ceiling in the bathroom.
0: Ooh.
1: Like, not by her hands. She's dead. She's dead.
0: She unalived herself.
1: She unalived herself. Kennedy and a bunch of the other girls rush in to find the body, as well as Chloe, as the first, talking to them, explaining that she had talked to Chloe all night, probably kind of convinced her to do this. But she says she hung herself because she understood the reality that the first is coming and she's probably going to die anyway. And then in Buffy's voice, she repeats what Buffy said earlier about how some of them are going to die and there's nothing Buffy can do to stop it.
0: Well, it's not a big morale booster.
1: No. And she zaps out of there, saying "TTFN," which is Tigger's catchphrase, because Chloe loved Winnie the Pooh.
0: Okay, what you just said sounds like you were making a joke.
1: No, it's but literally that's what not. Happens.
0: Yeah, I know it's literally what happens because it sounds like something we would just say very glibly. But no, that's what it says, and someone explains it to Buffy.
1: Did you know what TTFN meant? No, I did.
0: So I know what TTYL is. Yeah, Tigger takes long naps.
1: <laughs> what? That's no, not the right yeah, letters. Is,
0: no, that's wrong.
1: Tigger takes...
0: Yummy naps.
1: You later.
0: No, there's no N. Where... Whoa, I okay. don't know where
1: you're getting naps.
0: TTLN. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is off the rails. I'm sorry, yeah. everybody. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I need a nap.
1: Everyone kind of just stares for a while until Buffy cuts Chloe down and buries her in the backyard. Shouldn't she, like, send her back to her parents? notify them at least i doubt her, her mom was might just be
0: dead or who knows
1: also like buffy's got
0: a lot of shit in her plate right now she doesn't have time to be notifying parents like but some like military should. guy
1: i doubt her mom was like yeah just throw her in the backyard somewhere it's fine we don't need her
0: <laughs> you don't know
1: she left goodbye Later, everyone gathers in the living room when Buffy comes in and gives a big speech about how stupid and weak recently deceased Chloe was.
0: Again, you'd think this is a joke. This is what happens. And I feel like it's a big uh, misdirect, right? Because you feel like Buffy's going to come down and have some inspiring words about the loss and stuff. But she's like, nah, Chloe's a dumbass.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. She's pissed that the first is making her use her power to dig graves and that she's had to carry this whole damn group for so long. Candy doesn't like this. She tells Buffy she's out of line. Willow's like, Kennedy, no, she's not. Kennedy's like, come on, Willow. She's not even close to being as powerful as you are. And Buffy keeps going. She's like, I'm the one with the power. The rest of you are just waiting for me. Xander's like, hey, cool. Yeah, you're the leader, but like also maybe be nice. We're your friends and like help you a lot. Anya's like, actually, I'm not your friend. And Buffy's like, okay, then why are you here? Like, what is it that you do besides get rescued, little princess?
0: (laughs) She also says to Willow that, like, yeah, maybe Willow's powerful, but she's not using that power.
1: She says that, like, to Principal Wood, I think. Like, yeah, it's definitely, like, set up in this episode that Buffy's kind of annoyed that Willow's just, like, chilling. I thought she said it there. Like, I'm at least... Yeah, know. she might. She she said it earlier to Principal Wood, too. Because, like, Willow tells Principal Wood she's only using her power for, like, nice stuff. And then I think Buffy calls her, like, a wickant to him. Mm-hmm. Anya says the her purpose here is much-needed sarcasm. And Xander's like, well, actually, that's kind of my thing. And Buffy's like, yeah, you're here because you're scared. Xander's like, yeah, everyone is. It's it's bad now. Everything's bad. Buffy's like, fine, be scared, but also be useful. And now Willow's like, okay, Buffy, that's you're being a lot. We're doing our best here. We're, we're sharing one toilet. It's, it's. <laughs> Buffy's like, well, you got to try harder, or we're all going to be picked off one by one.
0: Buffin used to dig some toilet holes outside. Yes. Or I, I guess you don't call them toilet holes. You call them outhouses.
1: Toilet hole works. I think I'd be more likely to use it if it was called a toilet hole.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds nicer. Does it? Toilet hole? That sounds bad. Spike is like, well, this could have been an email. I'm going to go. She's like, actually, you've kind of been holding back ever since you got a soul. He's like, bitch, I did this for you. She's like, yeah, well, I liked you better before. Soft spike isn't sexy. Ooh. And everyone's kinda like, what's going on? What? Why does she love him? What is this? It's weird when they talk about this in front of them They don't they don't, but there's a vibe.
0: There's a vibe. There's a vibrator in the room and
1: it's, no one knows whose it is. It could be anybody's. <laughs> there's so many of them. There's no privacy.
0: And there's only one vibrator. It's
1: so many holes. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on.
1: I like Soft Spike. No? Not you?
0: I like Soft Spike now. He was kind of a lot for like eight episodes.
1: Yeah. I liked him like the himself. first two and then he got, they weren't really getting to it. You
0: liked it because of his hair. That's what you liked about him.
1: I liked, he did some good performances in those first couple episodes.
0: Sure, it's true. Yeah, you're right.
1: But that's kind of done now and he's just kind of there being regular. But I, I don't mind him how he is now. Buffy tells Dawn to take the potentials upstairs because we can't afford to pay this many girls much longer.
0: <laughs> Not to be on the show, yeah. We
1: gotta limit the number of people on the set now.
0: Get them upstairs before one of them speaks and we gotta pay him for it.
1: <laughs> While you're up there, break out that bag from Principal Wood. So they do. Buffy also invites Principal Wood over. They investigate the bag. Buffy breaks open the box where they find a bunch of metal shadow caster puppets. Dawn knows all about this somehow. She's translated something that says you can't just watch, you have to see. Where is Giles? Doesn't he basically speak Sumerian? Just call him, text him a picture of the book. He just gave this whole speech about how they need to take things more seriously, and then he just takes off. He's off with some horse parade. What's he doing? <laughs>
0: Take things more seriously. Oh, there's a horse parade. I don't know, that was not a British accent.
1: <laughs> he just drops off a couple cars full of girls. Bye. I got derbies to attend. <laughs> what? what he's like yelled at them for not taking this seriously, and now he's just not helping? Maybe he's off getting more girls, but we set up he can't drive, so he's just riding around the country on horseback picking up girls. (laughs)
0: That's hilarious. I mean, obviously the truth is they probably just can't afford to have him and all these girls in one episode. There's too many
1: people in this episode to pay their like highest billed actor, probably. Totally. Don suspects this all has something to do with the origin of the first Slayer. Buffy's like, dude, that makes sense. She was in my dream last night. Buffy's highest shit. Dude, that makes sense. I know her. So they light up the shadow puppets. Drums start playing out of nowhere. And the story is, per Dawn's reading, first there is the earth, then there came the demons. After demons, there came men. Men found a girl, and the men took the girl to fight all demons. They chained her to the earth. And then Dawn can no longer, like, super read it, but it says something about darkness. Again, you can't just watch. You have to see for yourself but only if you're willing to make the exchange. Xander's like, when did you get so good at Sumerian? I was like literally asking this too, because she said earlier she couldn't read it, but she immediately answers us and says that the book isn't in Sumerian anymore. We see it like translate to English.
0: I think this scene in general is pretty cool and got some creepy vibes to it. I like this scene.
1: Mm -hmm. The whole thing gets kind of out of control. The little puppet show box is like spinning, making all kinds of creepy shadow puppets. They can't really stop it. We hear screams. Eventually, all that stops and a portal opens in the middle of the living room. Buffy's like, "Yeah, I gotta go in there." They're like, "What? Where? Why? Nothing said to do that. The book didn't say how. What? What? How are we gonna get you back?" And she's like, "Figure it out." And she yeah, that into is. Into the portal.
0: Really, what happens? I feel like Buffy this season has just been like, "It's all or nothing, guys. Like, it's either gonna work or it's not." Like, with the Turrican, she's just like, yeah, it's either going to work or we all going to die. You know what I mean? We, there's no reason to be cautious anymore. Same with this portal. She's like, we need this or we die. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Well, it closes, and then the exchange shows up. It's a big, scary demon.
0: It's a big, dumb-looking demon. I f- think the design is stupid.
1: Well, either way, he throws everyone around the room real bad. Spike steps in, thinking he's going to beat him. He tells them all he's about to do what he does best. But then the demon throws Spike up through the ceiling. A lot of that going on this season. Buffy got tossed up through wood by the Tauracan. And then the demon leaves. Kennedy's like, is getting thrown through the ceiling what Spike does best?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Spike thought he was going to do. This dude is buff as shit. This dude is ripped, beyond ripped.
1: I mean, to be fair, Spike beats him later.
0: I I agree that happens, but I feel like it shouldn't.
1: Because he got his magic coat. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all like, Uh, we gotta get Buffy back. She's the only one who can beat this demon. It might mean Willow doing a powerful enough spell to make her relapse, but that's okay. Maybe that's what Buffy wanted, to coax Willow out of her little magic shell. They never really confirm that, but maybe?
0: I feel like it is. Or it was another thing like, you're either gonna get out of your shell or we're gonna die, but we need you, so do or die.
1: Meanwhile, Buffy arrives in the desert. Maybe in ancient Samaria, but it looks like the nearby desert they always go to. Back home, Kennedy's really pushing Willow to try magic to bring Buffy back. Anya's like, eh, if Buffy thinks she's so great, let her find her own way back.
0: I don't know what Anya's fucking problem is. She's, like, so negative. It's like, Buffy's saved your life, like, a hundred times.
1: She was just mean to her.
0: I guess Buffy also stabbed her in the chest one time, so.
1: Yeah, pretty recently. And Buffy also just called her a princess. She didn't. I added that, but, like, she was like, what are you doing here? You're not
0: The tone was, you're a princess.
1: Yeah. But they get working on a spell. They decide they probably need to find that demon to send back as an exchange for Buffy. Spike's like, yeah, I'll go get the demon. Kennedy is like, you can barely stand. It kicked your ass. Let us go. We're trained. I I don't know. They did like a little bit of punching in the backyard today. I feel like Spike's got a way better chance than like four of them put together at least. Yeah. Spike won't die.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the guy rips his head off, but that's a big thing to do. But also, look how strong this dude is. He threw Spike through a ceiling, and you think you're going to be able to fight him? He's so buff-looking. Like, he's buff. Like, he looks like a ninja turtle from, like, the animated movies. They weren't weak dudes.
1: (laughs) But Spike's like, nah, I'll be fine. Bye. He's off to get something he needs. In the desert, Buffy meets some men-speaking Cimmerian, who she can totally understand somehow. They know who she is and why she's here they explain to her that they've been here since the beginning, but now they're almost at the end. They tell her that she's the Hellmouse's last guardian. What does that mean? She's like, "Don't you mean latest?" They're like, "Nope. We said what we said. Also, we can't give you knowledge; only power." That's so weird because that's not even true. Is it? Yeah. They give her knowledge at the end. Knowledge. Yeah. The hell? They lied. She's like, "Okay, this isn't actually real, though. This is fake. This is an illusion." And then they smack her on the head, proving it is real. Back in Sunnydale, they're making a little sand circle, standard spell stuff. Willow explains that it could take days to open the portal, but it seems it's starting to work pretty much right away. Some kind of energy knocks over Kennedy and Dawn, and then Willow does her little Raised by Wolves scream.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool, though, because it's like, this might take a while, and then it's like, (laughs) ah!
1: Raised by Wolves was not a super popular show, but if you've seen it, it's the same.
0: Yeah. I don't recommend it, but if you've seen it... It's
1: fine. It. i enjoyed it enough, but it But it ends, didn't
0: finish, they, so who cares? They
1: canceled it before they finished it, so it's maybe not worth it. Buffy has come to and finds herself chained up in a cave. The men explain that they are the source of her power. And that's why they brought her here. She's like, didn't I bring me here? Which, right? Didn't she?
0: Well, they opened a portal, and she walked through.
1: Didn't she open it by doing the box?
0: Well, the, I assume the box came from them.
1: Right, but like forever ago. Whatever.
0: It seems like they know exactly the situation where they are, so they might have foreseen all this.
1: Well, they open another box that they say contains the energy of a demon, and that's how they created the first Slayer. So they let out a little black CGI cloud. They're tapping their walking sticks. The cloud is flying around. They say that it must become one with her. But Buffy doesn't want this. She says it'll make her less human because they're basically going to put like a demon in her, which I guess is was the case already for like the Slayer line. They use like demon to make Slayers, but it seems like they're going to give her like another injection. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I don't want this. She tells them to stop it.
0: You know, what's an interesting theory I just thought of. Hmm. So I think that, you know, that is what happened the first time. So she's always had some sort of like demon essence inside of her, right? And maybe it wasn't very much, so Spike wasn't able to hurt her. But when they brought her back from the dead, like maybe just a little bit less of her human side came through, or somehow when her DNA got recombined, it wasn't as simple as, oh, you don't register as a human. It's just now the demon that's always been there is being registered by his chip. So that's why he was able to hurt her. Oh, yeah, maybe. Just a thought. It's sort of implied that this is very uh, Me Too-y, this scene. It's just the the feeling of the scene and, like, the way it's, like, trying to enter her and the fact that she's, like, chained up for it.
1: Yeah. They never, like, directly say it.
0: And the fact that it has to be a woman, it seems. Like, why would the men not give themselves this power? hmm It seems like there's some connection to, like, submission or to the female anatomy or some loophole that would allow them to give this power to women. Because it, it's weird that these men who maybe feel that they're better than women, I can't say whether or not that's true for these three men. But I don't know why they wouldn't give that power to themselves.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what they specifically say, but there are a couple lines of dialogue that indicate that it might not be entering her through the air.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's implied that this is exactly what they did to the first layer.
1: Well, meanwhile, Spike goes to the school basement where he's just storing some of his old things, I guess. He digs out his old duster jacket. This is cool. Some like really badass music plays as he like walks down the hall confidently wearing the jacket. Principal Wood has followed him here, I guess, and is just like lurking in a doorway. He's all mm-hmm. like, nice coat. Where'd you get it? Spike says, New York. Do you remember? Ooh. He stole the coat from dude's mom after he killed yep. her? Yep, yep. I don't really think he knows the deal with Principal Wood.
0: I don't think so either.
1: I'm sure he can tell he doesn't like him, but I don't think he knows he's the slayer's kid.
0: Right. Why would he suspect that? He would have no reason to suspect
1: that. Well, I guess Buffy could have told him that Principal Wood is a Slayer's kid, and maybe Spike could have put it together based on age.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true.
1: Willow's sick of speaking Latin, so she kind of (laughs) just asks the mighty forces in English to open the portal. We find out later that in order to do this, she's got to, like, suck the life force out of some people nearby, which happens to be Kennedy and Anya. So she does. The portal opens. Xander immediately pulls Willow out of the sand circle. I that seemed like maybe a bad idea. Like maybe check with Willow to make sure that's not gonna like ruin anything. Sure, yeah. Interrupt something and kill Willow or whatever. Spikes found the demon. They're fighting in an alley. He's gone vamp face. He's acting and dressing like his old self, per Buffy's request, fighting this very tough foe, taunting him to fight, like Rocky fighting Ivan Drago. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buffy's like yeah I'm not gonna let you guys knock me up with your demon dust I think that's the line actually that mm-hmm. she specifically says knock me up so she breaks out of her chains she starts hitting the dudes with them there's a cool shot of her kicking one of them but it transitions back to Spike having just gotten kicked and then he ultimately snaps the demon's neck he lights a cigarette by striking the match on the demon's ear that's and cool. says a tussle like that is good for the soul
0: <laughs> that was fun
1: that's funny So Spike's back, I guess, pretending to be back at the desert. Buffy snaps the remaining dude's staff, which stops the demon from buzzing around. And he's like, you're dumb. We were trying to give you power. She says, tell me something I don't know. And he's like, okay, I will. And he touches her face, sharing some kind of information with her so they can't give knowledge, as you pointed out. But this gives her a very concerned look.
0: Yeah, we don't see what it is
1: yet. We will. At that moment, Spike dumps the demon's body into the portal, bringing Buffy back. Everyone's kind of catching their breath, processing what just happened. Willow catches up with Kennedy to be like, hey, sorry about, you know, kind of sucking some of your life force out. You know, power my portal spell. Are we, like, good? Or Kennedy's like, yeah, I didn't love that. was like, yeah, it's just you were the most powerful person nearby. That's kind of how it works. Does that mean Anya's second most powerful?
0: I mean, it was... In the room with them, so probably. You'd think Dawn would have been, i yeah, right,
1: like, that's what I'm saying, because she hit Dawn of with the f- initial spell.
0: And Dawn is literally energy, so... Yes,
1: you'd think Dawn would have all sorts of power she could harness. Kennedy's just, like, potential energy.
0: I mean, Kennedy's a strong woman.
1: Yeah, I guess Anya is, too, if that's the argument we're making, but, like, Dawn is literally energy.
0: Yeah, I think Dawn would be, like, the source.
1: Xander, no. Andrew, in bed. He's with Giles now, on a horse... Somewhere in the desert. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Kennedy's like, see you in the morning. Don't they share a bed? Are they not doing that tonight? Things seem bad. Willow goes to check on Buffy. Buffy apologizes for being such a bitch earlier and tells Willow that she thinks she made a mistake. I said, big snake.
0: That's what I was like. Did you say big (laughs) snake? I said,
1: like, a mistake and tells Willow she thinks she made a mistake. I said,
0: (laughs) Buffy ruined the bathroom. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> made a big snake.
0: I gotta dig some holes. I'm sorry,
1: but we're so high. <laughs> <laughs> she tells Willow that she thinks she made a mistake by not taking more power from the Shadowman because the Shadowman showed her a whole giant army of CGI Tura Khan.
0: Yeah, they don't look real.
1: No, no, they clearly copied and pasted about four of them a million times, but there are a lot of them. Quite a few. Really, they just need to delete the file, and they'll be fine. Um, I think that's <laughs> just to feed CGI to our con.
0: I think that's just how demons look, uh, based on what we've been seeing, is that demons just look like CGI, except for the ones that look like rubber suits.
1: But the implication is that there are still a lot of them down there, and they're probably all coming, and there's quite a few more of them than the Slayers.
0: Yeah, and she had a lot of trouble with just one of them.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the episode. Brian, was this a good one?
0: Um, it was interesting in a lot of ways. But no, I don't know that I would say it was a great one. I feel that. There were things I liked about it a lot. I really liked the idea of this bag. And like, I liked that scene where it starts to like go on its own and it like starts having sounds and pictures and stuff. I thought that was all really cool.
1: And like learning how the Slayers are made. Yes. Interesting.
0: I liked all of that. I also liked that there was drama with Buffy. Like, Buffy this season is, like, kind of mean to all these people. But she's, like, under so much stress. She's died twice for the mission. Like, I get that she's, like, you're not willing to die for this stuff? Like, I've done it. Like, I get that she's frustrated. And it humanizes her that she's not being necessarily super nice or cheerful all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm glad she called Anya out. Like, you're here because you're scared. Like, shut up. (laughs) And I'm glad that finally Kennedy sees Willow Be like a little scary because she's been like, oh, this magic is so cute for so long. I was like, oh, that's what you deserve, girl. And it was kind of cool seeing them all training outside. But overall, it looked bad. Like the video looked not great. And like they don't explain where Giles is.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. At least just like have a line saying he's off finding more potentials.
0: Yeah, that's an easy excuse to not have him there.
1: Only because he just made that huge stink about how everyone's got to like really work hard right now.
0: I like the idea that he's on a date, but didn't want to tell anybody because he just made that big stink.
1: Yeah. Also, it's still unanswered like where he's staying. He should also be staying with them.
0: Maybe he's at Xander's. He's like, I got this place to myself. It's really nice. There's a place for my horse and his giant closet. (laughs) Uh, But no, I don't think it was a great episode. It was a necessary episode to give us a lot of information we needed. But I wasn't like in love with this episode by any means.
1: Her jumping into the portal felt rushed.
0: Totally. It's Like,
1: no, you what? No, that I guess maybe check it out, but like have a conversation about it.
0: I think that she's just so desperate, though, that she's like, "We need to take every chance we have, every opportunity as quickly as we can. We're running out of time, and we're losing." Yeah, I agree that it seemed very rushed, and the demon that came out looked stupid and was defeated easily, even though he was so strong he could throw spike through like buildings.
1: There were definitely some really good elements, but like it felt tied together weird or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: Like, these are the boxes we need to tick. They're all in this episode, but, like, it wasn't sewn together well. You could see the stitches. Totally agree. Okay, well, should we move on to a special segment?
0: What kind of segment? Like, a segment A special
1: segment we like to call... Meanwhile on Charmed.
0: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has seen. Although, you apparently saw some spellcasting.
1: Just a little bit. But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries, Stacy, please tell us what happened on Charmed.
1: Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 7, Episode 15, Show Ghouls.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I've sighed at almost every title, and I was about to do it again.
1: Like, showgirls. Mm-hmm. When Daryl fears his friend Mike is possessed, Phoebe, Paige, and Drake discover that Mike has been working close to a site where a cabaret was destroyed in a fire in 1899, killing hundreds of people. You remember all these people, right?
0: Right. Uh, her friend Mike, who works at the post office. No. No. Nope. Her friend Mike, who's a pizza delivery man.
1: I don't think we've met Mike.
0: Maybe he works at the post office.
1: Daryl is the penguin porcupine man that showed up a couple times that used to be invisible Grimlock or something like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. I also don't know that we've met Drake, but I'm going to suspect that Drake is the guy we met in the last episode that they hired to work at the magic school. Remember he had the interesting backstory where he was like a demon, an ex-demon that stopped being a demon because he fell in love with a slayer?
0: That's right. I remember all of this.
1: Of course you do. So Daryl starts to suspect that his friend Mike is possessed when his eyes are just all white. Let's sign one of possession.
0: Yeah, generally when one of my friends' eyes go all white, my first thought is, are
1: you possessed
0: or is this drugs?
1: But then, of course, the next thing Daryl notices about Mike is that he's summoning Titan.
0: Which is, like, a pretty big tell that they're possessed. Especially if they're not, like, summoning Satan on the regular anyway. But then he starts, like, flashing his junk around. You're like, whoa, what's this? That's not, like, Mike at all. But he remembers that Mike was working next to this site where a cabaret was burnt down a long time ago. And he suspects that maybe he's possessed by one of the people, one of the showgirls, who died in that fire. Turns out, a lot of those showgirls used to be Satan worshippers. That's why they died in a the fire. They tried doing a summoning. It didn't go well. And now those spirits are restless.
1: Right now it's a Walgreens. (laughs) The site where the cabaret used to be.
0: But a lot of times when people are in there waiting in line, they'll just start like dancing sort of provocatively. But in sync, for the longest time, people just thought, that's just that Walgreens. It's weird. But now Paige and her friends are starting to suspect that maybe there's more going on there than just a really unique Walgreens.
1: Mike and Daryl work next to the Walgreens, so they go in a lot to get snacks.
0: And for the longest time, they're like, wow, people really like to dance here. And sometimes I like to dance while I'm here. But one of these showgirl ghosts is finally able to fully possess Mike because he's trying to read one of his prescriptions from Walgreens, and he can't pronounce it right. And he accidentally does an incantation that allows the ghost to fully possess him, which is one of the reasons I don't go to Walgreens.
1: Mm -hmm. So Possessed Mike tries to buy like a thousand packs of cigarettes so he can start another fire. Burn down this Walgreens because he's possessed by these demons that possess the showgirls. Yes? Sure. That makes sense? Sure. But luckily, Daryl, Paige, Phoebe, Drake, the new guy. Almost- Not the
0: singer. Not the singer, Drake. He wasn't famous then. It's just some new guy.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of names happening in this one. Yeah. All of them come running in right at the last second and dump a bunch of water on him right as he liked the whole cigarette packet bunch bouquet that he's collected. And then uh, Mike comes too. He's like, oh my God, I was just, what? Wh- wh- uh, who am I? Have I been in the show? Do you guys know me? And they're like, no, it's just this episode. We brought you on.
0: You're not going to come back, Mike. This is no. it for you. This is your last show. We have less of a budget than Buffy. You think we can afford to keep bringing you back?
1: This episode sponsored by Walgreens. We're doing product placement now, Mike. You think we got time for more series regulars?
0: They can still tell, though, that the ghosts are still there. And somebody else might mispronounce their medication and get possessed again. So the girls just speak with a big seance using their magic to the ghosts. And they're like, listen, girls, we know Satan. We could just introduce you guys. Is that what you want? So they open a portal. They introduce them to Satan. And they're like, cool, we don't need to haunt here anymore. We'll just go hang out with Satan. And it kind of just solves everything.
1: Yeah, it really comes in handy to be friends with Satan sometimes.
0: I've never said that out loud. Uh, but Stacy just did. <laughs>
1: As long as you go about it in the right way, be safe. Mm-hmm. It's great. Be safe.
0: Well? This has been... Meanwhile Uncharted.
1: Then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, what happened in I Am Kayak, Hear Me Roar?
0: Not that much, really. Uh, do you think it was a good episode, though? Uh, okay. This episode is a little bit about the fallout between Lorelai and her daughter and mother over Christopher's departure. And also, it's a little bit about Logan's situation with his dad and his business.
1: Yeah. And Luke is there for some reason. He's,
0: they literally were like, we have five minutes we need to fill in this episode. Let's do a little something with Luke. The episode starts pretty funny. Lorelai shows up at Rory's apartment early in the morning to find Paris and Doyle doing yoga together. They're just genuinely doing yoga and is hilarious. Pure Moods type music is sort of playing in the background, and Paris is so calm that the front door is even unlocked.
1: (laughs) I think they stopped, like, double-logging that. Every time they show it now, they just open it.
0: Yeah. That used to be, like, a big plot point.
1: Yeah, maybe the barbershop quartet or whatever they had downstairs moved out. The drug dealers. But, like,
0: two episodes ago, when Rory was there with Paris, somebody decided to put in siren sounds in the background to remind us it's a bad neighborhood. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It was, like, very subtle. I was like, is that a siren? Okay, yeah, they're in a bad neighborhood. I guess they wanted to remind us. Anyway, this scene is very funny because Paris says that she and Doyle started doing yoga essentially for, like, easy credits and to make fun of it, but then ended up loving it. And it's really funny just watching them just earnestly doing yoga in the background.
1: Yeah, they just don't stop either. They keep, like, doing yeah. their little routine.
0: While they're talking to Lorelai. <laughs> there's a great line where Lorelai asks if Rory's asleep. And Paris says, spiritually or Literally. <laughs> great moment for Paris. Lorelai goes into Rory's room, even though she's supposedly asleep. She just like walks in essentially and says, Rory, uh, we need to go for a drive, which you know what that means. That means I've called off an engagement or I've ended a marriage and now I need to drive about it. She's done it before and she'll do it again.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I can't confirm or deny if she'll do it again.
0: Well, it sounds like they're going to do it again. As they're driving, she eventually tells Rory about the breakup. Rory is very sympathetic and sort of admits that she always wanted it to happen, but their relationship never felt right. I feel like this is almost the writers saying that. Like, yeah, guys, like, right, we all kind of wanted it, but it didn't feel right because we really wanted to be with Luke. Right, everybody? Right, everybody?
1: (laughs) Please, because that's what we're going with.
0: As they're driving, because Lorelai's so scatterbrained or, like, out of her mind about everything, they just run out of gas, and neither of them has their cell phone with them. So they just, like, get out of the car and then just start walking to the next town to get gas. Interestingly, it looks cold. They, like, bundle up with their jackets as they're walking.
1: They say it's a nice day, though.
0: They do, but then they bundle up their jackets when they get outside. The only reason that's important is because cue the intro music, which is if you're out on the road feeling lonely and so cold, this is written for the intro. The intro's about this scene.
1: Or the intro was written for the song.
0: Yeah, okay, true.
1: I don't know, but yeah, that's a good catch. Have you ever run out of gas?
0: I haven't. I mean, I've been close, and I've had cars go kaput for other reasons but no I've never run of gas you have though
1: yeah I have run out of gas I was like half a block from the gas station on my way to get gas my small town I think I like called my dad and we either went and got a can and brought it to the car or we I think I have a vague memory of us pushing the car in neutral into the gas station
0: there's something about the scene that just I I don't know that this maps on or is intentional but there's something about the scene that made me think that like you know if Luke were with you he like would just have extra gas or he would never run out of gas you need Luke
1: yeah maybe
0: I don't know that that was any kind of connection, but in my head, I was like, Luke's the kind of guy that would have made sure you were topped off. Lorelai and Rory arrive at Friday night dinner where the most anxious, mousy little maid answers the door and then like mutters something under her breath and just scurries away with their coats. That was funny. She is so funny. She's always like,
1: I, 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 I.
0: she just always mutter whispering all the time instead of talking. I'm guessing the maid is like that because she's on edge because of how tense Richard is and, by extension, Emily.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they later confirm it's because of Richard. Lorelai is wearing the, like, ugliest dress she's ever been in, I think.
0: Yeah, what?
1: I just don't really understand the choice they made with that. Yeah, I don't either.
0: Richard is, uh, in a mood. He is still recovering from his surgery and is very upset about his new lifestyle changes. Like, he can't drink anymore and he has to eat healthy food. So he's just in his room, brooding, watching golf, pouting. Richard eventually comes down for Friday night dinner, but refuses to change out of his robe.
1: So did Lorelai.
0: He probably saw what Lorelai was wearing. He's like, well, I'm not going to take tonight seriously either. (laughs) Emily is trying to be in good spirits and also trying to hold a mocktail hour since he can't drink.
1: She's trying to prohibit spirits. Yeah,
0: that's funny. But Richard's having none of that. He's like, we're eating now.
1: I think we should maybe mention there's this layer that Rory wants Lorelai to tell her parents about her marriage ending.
0: Yes, yeah, Lorelai wants to, and she's going to, but she was hoping to maybe have a couple of drinks before she did, and now drinks aren't an option.
1: hmm and she keeps trying to get out of it, too. She's like, are you sure Dad is up to this? Like, just trying to end the whole night early so she doesn't yeah. have to tell them.
0: But also, Richard's attitude doesn't seem very conducive to learning that the marriage isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Richard is also angry that he has to eat all this good-for-him food. He's like, we're having fish again. He just keeps, like, saying fish. (laughs) Hates fish. Can we get him some radishes? He loves radishes, and they're super good for you. Oh,
1: yeah. This seems pretty funny, because Richard just keeps complaining about the fish. And Roy's like, I think it tastes good. (laughs) And then Lorelai tries to, like, really sell how good the green beans are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They were just both cute in that moment.
0: Well, I think the fish probably is good, but he's just had fish for, like, Mm -hmm. every day that week. But yeah, they're really trying to sell the fish. Richard and Emily both inquire about Christopher, but Lorelai's like, oh, he couldn't be here. He's he, he, he wishes he could, but he can't. She can't get herself to say it yet. Emily, by the way, is still planning Lorelai's enormous, like, fake wedding party. She is planning on serving 400 Cornish game hens, which Richard's excited about. He's like, that's the first good meal I'm going to have in forever. And there's this funny bit where Rory just keeps telling Lorelai that she's got to tell Emily about the divorce soon, Or 400 Cornish game hens are going to die for nothing. So she keeps saying stuff like, save the Cornish game hens. Mm -hmm. Lorelai's like, I'm afraid to tell my mom because she might throw a Molotov mocktail at me. (laughs) It's very funny. Very funny line.
1: Would that even work?
0: No, it wouldn't work. (laughs) Emily also, throughout this episode, can't seem to understand that the nurse is not also one of her maids. Yeah. There's a live-in nurse that's supposed to be, you know, making sure Richard's okay and taking care of him and watching him recover. But Emily just keeps giving her orders and maid duties to do. This is exacerbated by the fact that the actual mousey maid that we mentioned earlier is like literally hiding from Richard. Mm-hmm. He must have said something to her that just made it so she can't make sentences anymore. It's all very funny. Like when she hands him the fish, she's all like, and then runs away. That was so funny. Emily is being too much, especially when she's demanding stuff of the nurse and like won't even learn the nurse's name or the maid's name. She's just like, they're interchangeable to me.
1: Yeah, the nurse hates it here.
0: Yeah, and I don't blame her at all. Richard excuses himself for dinner. He's like, I'm going to go watch golf. He's just watching a ton of golf, and he'd rather be doing that than eating this shitty food.
1: It's also revealed he's watching old golf. It's not even like he's got to go watch it live.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny. A day or so later, Emily calls Lorelai because she needs Lorelai to pick up Richard's prescriptions. She can't get the maid to do it because she can't find the maid, and she can't get the nurse to do it because that ain't her job. While she's talking to Lorelai on the phone, she's also talking to the maid, and it confuses Lorelai. Like, she's talking to the maid, and she's all like, stop making eyes at me. And Lorelai's like, Mom, are you you on peyote right now? (laughs) It's very funny. But Emily eventually, demand asks Lorelai to pick up Richard's prescriptions, and Lorelai says she would.
1: (laughs) Then Lorelai, like, tells her mom the whole deal with Christopher after she, like, hangs up on her abruptly.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Chris and I are getting a divorce. Lorelai then arrives at the house with the prescriptions just in time to see the chef quit because Richard is being a big baby about the food.
1: He's eating soup and he's like soup and salad are not meals. We're literally having soup tonight. Soup's a meal.
0: I mean, it was miso soup, to be fair. That's not like a super hearty food.
1: That is fair. That is fair. Also, the chef comes in and suggests light sandwiches, which Richard also hates. Like, what? what, what you don't want a sandwich? What do you want, Richard? It, like, has to be meat and potatoes? Or, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what are, what are your specifications?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think he's just depressed, and this is how he is expressing it. And he is being a baby, but I don't know. People get depressed, and you, you're right. He's being a baby.
1: And then the chef's like, let me offer one more suggestion. And Richard's like, what, tacos? (laughs) I was like, that sounds great.
0: (laughs) I would love tacos.
1: (laughs) Let this man make you tacos.
0: Tacos are also not healthy.
1: (laughs) There's also just some fun bits. Like Emily's like shouting for the maid. And then Laura like kind of mimics her (laughs) at the end of a scene. Mm -hmm. Aurora.
0: (laughs) Emily is also having a meltdown at this time. Because there's just like too much tax stuff that she's got to do. She's got to get some tax documents to the accountant. And she has no idea how to do that. And Richard's not being helpful at all. So Lorelai's like, listen, I I can help you with all this stuff. She has Suki make Richard a ton of healthy but delicious food and also finds a couple of personal chefs for Emily to use for Richard. She also helps Emily with some of Richard's business tax forms. Emily is like, how would you know how to do any of these things? And Lorelai reminds Emily that she went to business school and she runs her own business and she helped her dad set up this business, which I'm like, yeah, Emily, how do you not know any of that? Lorelai's like, I can help you, Mom. I get that you're overwhelmed. Let me walk you through Quicken books. So she sits down the computer, and Emily's like, don't touch it. You'll ruin it. Mm -hmm. Emily just doesn't understand how computers work. You know, they were impressed with email like two seasons ago, so I get that computers are just scary magic boxes for her. Men's work, I guess. Lorelai starts using the computer, and then Emily whips out some hidden alcohol she has stashed in Richard's study, which is a little bizarre.
1: That is a weird place to hide it, Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, just because he can't drink doesn't mean we can't. But that wasn't the rules the other night.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was going to be there for, I think, I mean, she's still hiding it from him.
1: Yeah. Also, she's like hiding nuts. Later, she just like pulls out a pre-poured bowl of peanuts she was hiding on the bookshelf. (laughs) Like, were those just always there? It seemed like they were hidden.
0: You need to eat when you drink and all they have in this house are miso soup and salads.
1: (laughs) Seems like he should be able to have nuts.
0: Lorelai takes a big shot of vodka, then sets it down and just blurts out to Emily that she and Christopher broke up. Emily's like. okay, let's uh, work on these uh, tax forms.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's actually like one drink.
0: Well, I mean, I think she just wants to get it out.
1: Yeah. And she
0: knows she needs to because she's got to save those 400 Cornish game hens. The two drink together while Lorelai teaches Emily how to use Quicken. The two of them get pretty drunk and Emily starts really opening up to Lorelai about her relationship with Richard and also the thoughts that Richard may be dying someday or that she knows he's going to die someday, probably before her, and then what will happen to her? Emily goes on to talk about how she's always wanted to be a wife. Like she went to school, but it was to find someone to marry. And that was just like her whole role in life was to be married and be a good wife. And how life is sort of like a canoe. And she has always been paddling with Richard in this canoe. But it seems like he stopped paddling. And this insinuation is that someday he will not be there to paddle. And she's just paddling by herself, which in a canoe makes you just go in a circle. You're not going anywhere. Then she has this like drunken epiphany that Lorelai isn't in a canoe. She's in a kayak. She's paddling with both ends and is moving independently. She doesn't need another person to paddle. Emily goes on to say that she's impressed with how well Lorelai has done with her own business and her life without a husband. And then she even says that it isn't so bad that Lorelai's getting a divorce because she's so independent. She says, you're going to be fine and like puts her hand on Lorelai's shoulder.
1: Which like takes her aback. Yeah. Lorelai
0: Lorelei, like quavering voice is like thanks mom quivering voice quickening voice she's doing mm-hmm. quicken and she says you may even marry someone else someday who knows it's a really sweet moment where Emily's guard is down and she's like bonding with her daughter and like telling her the positive affirmations that she probably desperately wants from her mother that her mother never says because her mother doesn't compliment her ever
1: I feel like there was one other time where she kind of was sort of jealous of Lorelei's life
0: yeah, that sounds familiar. It might have been when she was fighting with Richard.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I mean, for some reason, I feel like it was at the mall.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing.
1: When they were eating in the food court, she mm-hmm. was like vulnerable with her. I think she was just like impressed with her having her own business and stuff, mm-hmm. like how she's more independent than her. There's a pretty funny joke too when Emily like kind of realizes how dependent she is on Richard, and Lorelai's like, "But you know how to right click now." <laughs> <laughs> She was, like, teaching her all these little Mm -hmm. keyboard commands and stuff. Not keyboard commands. That's too advanced. Stacey's
0: never used a computer before. A right click is not a keyboard command.
1: No. No person over 60 knows keyboard commands.
0: No. This scene, though, is really nice. It's because you rarely get this, right? A positive affirmation from Emily to Lorelai. And it's sweet. It seems like this might even be, like, a turning point in their relationship, especially since she had to break this horrible news to Emily that she was sure was going to shatter Emily's whole world. Because Emily has wanted her to be with Christopher since they were 16. And she finally gave it to her mom, and now she's taking it away. And she's done that before to her mom, where she's like, we're getting married. Actually, we're not. Yeah. But, 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 it doesn't last long. The next morning, Lorelai, who I guess slept at the house because they had been drinking. That's good. Yeah.
1: I, I'm glad they didn't make her go home somehow because she shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. She could take in a car.
0: The next morning, she gets up. Seems like she's going to have breakfast with her mom, have some coffee. She's joking with her mom. But it becomes clear very quickly that all that bonding from the night before seems to be forgotten by Emily. Emily is super cold to her. She mentions that she's got a busy day doing A, B, and C and canceling all those wedding party plans and also mentioning that they're not going to get all the deposit back, blah, blah, blah.
1: Do you think Emily just, like, forgot? Like, she blacked out? Or do you think she just, like, didn't really remember the happy parts?
0: No, I think that it's just, like... She got back to her cold self and she's not emotional or vulnerable anymore and she decided to be angry about it.
1: Yeah. It's sad that she just like can't I think you remember the happy parts.
0: When you get drunk, sometimes you can be more empathetic, you know? Yeah. And that empathy's gone, that camaraderie is gone. So she's back to I think mean, Emily's base mode is mean.
1: She's being a real buffy.
0: She's being a real buffy in this scene. She won't make eye contact with Lorelai even while she's reading this paper. She's, like, talking to her while reading a paper, not even looking at her. She does thank Lorelai for her help with Quicken, but it seems more like a dutiful thank you. Like, I need to say thank you to you, but, like, F you too. Not Mm -hmm. F you. Not like, hey, you know, thank you for helping me. That was really helpful. She's like, you know, thank you for your help with the Quicken because I owe you that thank you is how it felt.
1: But not, like, also, I really enjoyed how we had a nice moment together yesterday.
0: Yeah. Drunk Emily and sober Emily are not the same person, it seems. So Lorelai just leaves.
1: She just needs to get her drunk more often.
0: Just keep her drunk all the time. Keep her on an IV. That is that whole storyline. She told her mother. Didn't seem like it went very well. Seemed like it did for a moment. Then it didn't. Maybe that's what Emily was doing to Lorelai. She's like, I'm going to make you feel happy and then take it away from you. Just like you did me. Then I think we have to talk about the most important storyline. Luke's. (laughs) This storyline just seems so tacked on. The town knows that Christopher's out of the picture. And we have this really, really funny scene. I have to say, season seven, I feel, doesn't have the strongest plot writing from episode to episode. But I do feel like it does have a lot of really funny dialogue written for Babat. I feel like she's like uh, shining this season.
1: Yeah, I, I think the longer a show goes on, it's just easier to write jokes for characters because the world is so big. You, you have a lot of references. You, can, you know what I mean? Like, I get that. You've fully explored these people, and there's a lot of options for what they can say, if that makes sense. Sure. Because the episodes in general, I would say, have been pretty funny in season seven. I agree. Despite any plot things.
0: Totally. Babette and Miss Patty are having a not-too-subtle, coded discussion about how the beagle's car hasn't been at the hen's house for a while. So they think the beagle's out of the picture, but also the beagle should be with the beagle, and the hen should maybe be with the rooster, pointing at Luke. By the way, the rooster knows about the hen and the beagle split because you guys know why, right? Because Eastside Tilly's been blabbing about it. Glad we get another Eastside Tilly shout out. Oh, yeah. Then Babette says that maybe the hen belongs with someone else besides the rooster. Maybe a penguin or an ostrich. When she says ostrich, though, that was too much for Kirk. (laughs) This is so funny. Every line here is funny. Kirk just chimes in, outraged, saying that he can no longer sit here and listen to this perverse discussion. So Miss Patty says, oh, good. Go sit over there. (laughs) But then he continues. And he's all very upset about their cross-species romance talk. He thinks it's disgusting. He's like, you know, put aside the biology. But it's just disgusting to make a hen and an ostrich have sex. How do you expect that hen to lay those eggs? (laughs) Because ostrich eggs are big.
1: They are. That's a lot for a hen.
0: Priceless lines. I thought every one of these lines was very funny. Well done, writers. Then Liz and TJ show up with Dula. They're there to keep Luke company now that April has moved and she's gone for a while. But really, they're not there for that. They're there because their place is being fumigated for Maws and they need somewhere to go. We had Maws.
1: We did. There's a lot to unpack here. Well, First, I love when Luke's like, hey, Liz, TJ, piles of your belongings. Yeah. Number two, TJ wants Dula to be a female wrestler. That's kind of a running bit. Mm-hmm. Have you checked in with your dad about his interest in female wrestling? Like how that's going?
0: No, I should.
1: Okay. Keep us posted. I'd, I'd be interested. Um, and yes, and we we did have moths. I can't remember if we've told them about our whole beetle moth situation. We,
0: I think we've mentioned our beetle situation, but we've had beetles. We've had moths.
1: I think it was related because we got moth traps for the moths and that like drew in more. They were like, hey, guys, we love this fucking glue that's on these moth traps. <laughs> Love it. (laughs) It's it's over here. You'll die from it, but come and get it. They got them. But that like, we had those also for the beetles and that caused more moths.
0: They were a lot like Richard, you know, they know it's not good for them, but they want it.
1: (laughs) Long story short, if we haven't talked about this, our bathroom a few years ago was just covered in these tiny little beetles. We think they were interested in Kurt's litter.
0: We were using this like organic, flushable, like corn based litter for a while. And we think they were like eating that.
1: Because we changed that and that helped. We, we maybe have talked about this because I think we told them about that earth product that mm-hmm. also maybe killed the beetles. But, but it, like, was
0: it was bad. Bad.
1: There was nothing we could do.
0: Like we sprayed raid in there like every day. Like, They did not care. We set up traps that would just be filled with beetles and then there's just no more glue for them to stick to. And there's like, how is there still more?
1: They're like the size of a pinhead or they're tiny, but yeah. like probably thousands of them. It was gross. It was a nightmare.
0: Yeah, and we kept being like, oh, we'll spray. They'll be gone. They weren't, no, nothing worked. Finally, we got rid of them. Anyway, they're telling Luke, we're staying with you because of the moths. And he's like, okay, because he's a super good guy. And they've set up that he'll be there for the people he cares about. And he'll be there for them. He loves Liz. I will say, and I've said it before, and I apologize. I just, I wish they made Liz and TJ a little less moochy. They're just, every episode like, they're mooching off Luke so much.
1: That's their deal.
0: They rarely give Luke anything in return. Liz does give Luke emotional support, which I'm very glad they give him that, and I think that's important, but it's just so much of them taking advantage of Luke, and I don't know, it's not fun. Yeah, it's hard to like a character that that's their only thing.
1: Yeah. Their relationship is kind of cute, though.
0: I agree, and it's clear that Liz loves Luke and wants the best for him.
1: They just keep bringing in more bags. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, few days, a week tops.
0: When Liz hears about Christopher and Lorelai breaking up, she encourages Luke to reach out to Lorelai. TJ's like, no, 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 no. He is adamantly against them getting back together. He's like, don't open that Pandora's box, which blew me away. I was like, you know what a Pandora's box is? You've heard that term before? He's
1: maybe heard that term.
0: He's like, seal that box up. You don't want to be with her. Every time she comes up, it's related to hospitals. <laughs> that was a <normal.
1: laughs> I like that they're fighting about it. It's a fun way to get two sides of the story.
0: Sure. They're disagreeing about what's he's like, you shouldn't be with her. Liz is like, I don't know. and then maybe
1: you should. Yeah, it's just a fun way to get two perspectives on this thing we're all thinking about.
0: Yeah, personally, I would listen to whatever TJ says and be like, I should do the opposite of that because that is always the best decision. That night, while they think Luke is asleep and they're caring for Dula, Liz tells TJ loud enough for Luke to hear that Luke looks lonely. TJ's like, yeah, he looks lonely in the eyes. And she says she thinks that he and Lorelai belong together. She did say when they broke up that she didn't know if it would work out because they always seem to be in two different space-time continuans. I did
1: not expect that to be called back to.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, that's very specific. But she also says all they got to do is find the right wormhole between their two dimensions. I do like that Liz ships them. I think that's so sweet. Yeah. I like Liz. I just hate that her and TJ are always mooching, but I do like when she's caring for Luke. The next day, Liz and TJ are packing up because the maws were not hard to kill, apparently. They were rice maws, which are little bitches.
1: Different than ours.
0: <laughs> and so they're like, oh, we have to go. I'm sorry. Luke's all like, oh, shucks. oh, nah. no. They leave. But you could tell he's, like, been influenced by their midnight conversation, I think.
1: Because he looks at the foam?
0: Yeah. That's my thought. So that's the whole Luke story, guys. That's the whole story. We see, like, five scenes to show us all this. And it's, it's the whole story. It's just... They show up, they're like, "Uh, maybe he should be a Lorelai, bye-bye.
1: Oh, one thing, there's a transition at the very beginning of this last scene where he walks into his apartment, Mm -hmm. where the previous scene, leaving Logan's apartment to go skating, Mm -hmm. they walk out the door, but then Luke opens the door into his apartment. Yeah,
0: there's some nice transitions.
1: I only mention that because in Buffy, there's a transition where Mm -hmm. Buffy punches someone and that spike gets punched.
0: Right, connection. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Loose Connection. So let's talk about the other story, which I think is the bigger story, the bigger drama anyway. It's Logan's birthday, and Rory has made him breakfast in bed to celebrate. He's not super interested in the breakfast in bed. He's more interested in getting more work done until he sees that she's made him some cinnamon rolls. He's like, ooh, cinnamon rolls. And now I have to stop. Mm -hmm. This line, I was like, what? I had to pause it and complain. (laughs) There's just no way on earth. Unless he has COVID, <laughs> that he did not smell her baking cinnamon rolls in his studio apartment. That's just not possible. You smell cinnamon rolls when your neighbors make them. You can hear our neighbors making them now. They make them out of glass
1: <laughs> and metal.
0: God, he just always knows when we're doing this. Right? Cinnamon rolls are not a subtle treat.
1: No, they're <laughs> but loud.
0: He's like, oh, you made cinnamon rolls? Okay. Yeah, that's probably why you were dreaming about him. Logan is not big on birthdays, only because they weren't a big deal in his family. He says they weren't something you achieve, so his family didn't really see the value in celebrating them. He says he missed out on regular non-networky birthday parties growing up. He never had like a normal birthday party.
1: Sounds like he only had Suki-catered parties. (laughs) It was all like non-kid food.
0: And he's like, oh, I wish I just had like a regular birthday cake. That'd be great. This of course I think sparks something for Rory where she's like, "Ooh, I'm going to like give you a taste of what all of my childhood regular ass birthdays were."
1: While they're having this conversation, he's doing some like left-handed laptoping. Like he's yeah. just kind of typing and moving his mouse with only his left hand. You can't do that. Like you could move <laughs> the mouse. I feel like you need I mean, unless he's left-handed, I guess.
0: He knows some of those keyboard shortcuts uh he's using. <laughs>
1: But this scene is cute because they kind of joke cute. about like making peeled grapes is like a fancy food. Mm-hmm. And then at the end he says like, she says she only makes food in a tube though, but at the end he asks for some peeled grapes. And he's She's like, like yeah. yeah,
0: if it comes in a tube.
1: That was really cute. Their dialogue is just like so natural sometimes.
0: It is. And I like them together. They have really good chemistry. I've said that a hundred times. We also find out that his deal is done. It's closed. And he's going to have an article come out in the Wall Street Journal about him and this deal. And he's really excited about that. Later, while Rory is sitting at the apartment with all of her different birthday stuff, like a pinata and a pin the tail on the reindeer because she didn't know how to draw a donkey's ears, <laughs> she gets a call from Logan. Logan is at like some coffee shop. He's like, hey, my dad wants to take both of us out for dinner, and I think that would be cool. She could tell Logan is excited that his dad like remembered his birthday and reached out, and so she agrees to go, even though... Mitchum pretty much only makes her feel small and shitty. She's like, all right, I'm going to go to this. It's important to Logan. I do want to talk about this scene, though. While he's on the phone with her, we know, we've set up that Logan only drinks about two sips of coffee and then it's all milk.
1: Well, we, that's, we added that. <laughs> the show had him drinking coffee and then he got up to pour himself more and poured about two drops. So we assumed the rest was filled with cream. That's what we set up.
0: This scene, though, he just pours himself a full milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) It's just all cream in his cup. Just talking to Rory, pouring away.
1: He pours a lot, and it cuts away before he stops, so who knows (laughs) if he ever does.
0: It's my birthday. (laughs) I'm having a milkshake.
1: A half and half milkshake.
0: (laughs) With just a drop of coffee in the bottom.
1: What he ordered from the barista was just milk, and then he added more. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's just Logan for you.
1: Didn't Rory do that one time too? Yes. In the pool house, like when mm-hmm. she first moved there. I can't remember what it was. She like poured herself a ton of milk or something.
0: Yeah. They meet Mitchum for dinner at a really fancy restaurant, and Mitchum is nothing but niceness. He calls Rory witty, laughs at her jokes, and when he asks her if she's still planning on pursuing journalism, he says that that's what their field needs, is an infusion of bright, talented people like Rory. Which, as we all know, is a big change from when he told her seasons ago that she just didn't have it and she wouldn't make it in journalism. So something has changed significantly. Later at dinner, Logan takes a business call and steps away. Mitchin seems tickled that his son is taking his work so seriously now. And then when he has some alone time with Rory, he gets kind of real with her. Again, all positivity. He says that Logan is doing great because of Rory. He says that she used her influence on him to encourage him to go to London and grow up and take life and work seriously. And he and his wife are just super grateful to her for all of that. She's like, well, I think Logan deserves all the credit for these accomplishments. And he's like, no, 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 you're being way too modest. And that's such an interesting line, right? Because a season ago, when they were in the elevator, and she's like, you're doing all this because... You hate me and you want me out of Logan's life. He's like, no. And he says the opposite. Like, you're overestimating yourself. Like, I don't even think of you, essentially. hmm And now he's like, you're being too modest. He then tries to quickly gloss over all the hurtful stuff he said to her previously, saying that he knows they've had their differences in the past, but he's glad to know that they're all on the same page now. And then he toasts her for being on the same page. Rory clearly does not know how to take all this, and I get that, right? She's all like, what, you hated me, and now we're friends, but also like, I don't know that I want to blow up at you because you're like Logan's dad, and you're being so friendly and positive right now. It's a weird, awkward, tricky situation. He goes on to say that he and Rory still have more work to do, and he's glad that she's part of the team now, and that team needs to figure out what Logan's next steps are going to be. He goes on to say, of course, we're going to take care of you too, Rory. Whatever newspaper she wants to work at, he will just make it happen. She can take her pick at any of his papers. She finally reminds him that, you know, he told her that she didn't have it. He just brushes that off and he's like, oh, please, things change. Circumstances change. And then Logan returns before we can really unpack all that. Before we go any further, we just, like, got to talk about this scene, right? Like, I'm just so curious about if the writing was intentional for some of this. Like, what Mitchum needs to do in this scene, right, is to say, hey, you know, I didn't think you had it, and I was wrong. Like I said at the time, sometimes my gut's wrong, and I'm going to tell you my gut was wrong about you. You do have it. But he doesn't say that. He says circumstances change, which to me is almost like he's saying, no, I don't think you have it, but, like... I see you as an asset that I can use now, so...
1: That's kind of how I would interpret it. Like, she's working out for him in a way that he likes, because Logan is better. Right. And he can look past that she's just kind of an okay journalist.
0: But earlier in this conversation, he said to her, his business needs bright, talented people like Rory, which would indicate that she is good for journalism. Maybe that's just him being sweet and buttering her up. I, I don't know. He also mentioned her in that article about how He took credit for her doing so well at the Yale Daily News. So it would seem that maybe he does think that she's good.
1: That's true, too. Like, he maybe sees that she was successful at Yale and is, like, doing well now. And he's like, eh, maybe I was wrong. That's what
0: makes it unclear. The article from before and his line earlier in this dinner makes it unclear to me whether this is just a, I'm being nice to you and I'll give you a journalism job because it helps me and I can, or if he's being sincere, like, no, I think you're good now. Because he never specifically says, I was wrong before.
1: I would lean towards the first thing we said, though. Yeah. Because circumstances change doesn't mean I was wrong about you. It means my circumstances have changed. <laughs> yeah. And everything you're doing is working for me.
0: Yeah, it's just, I just don't know. Just so, I just so, I, I, I can see it both ways. I, I don't know if that's intentional. And I, I really hope we have more scenes with Mitchum. I suspect we don't since you forgot he was even in this episode.
1: I I truly don't know. Right. I don't remember him being like a big part of the rest of it, but it it could be. I don't
0: hate the character of Mitchum.
1: No, I think it's interesting.
0: So I kind of like, in an ideal world, I would like them to bury the hatchet and like get along. Like, and maybe they fight about stuff at, you know, times, but it's not like, oh, I think you're untalented. I mean, he calls her talented here, but again, could be sputtering up. Who knows?
1: Whether the actor's actually in it or not, I would say his presence looms, because that's such a big part of Logan's character.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. The show has made it clear that Logan hates his dad, or at least really dislikes his dad, but it also makes it clear that he craves validation from his father. Yeah. Like, the fact that he was so happy to go out to eat with his dad, I think, suggests that, like, oh, yeah, of course I want my dad to tell me he loves me and is proud of me. Because it was also made clear that his dad didn't dole out positive vibes, you know? He wasn't giving accolades out if he didn't feel like his son deserved it.
1: Very few vibrators in their house.
0: So few vibrators. And, I mean... Sheila needs one, because he's out. Shira. No, he has a mistress, but he doesn't take care of her either. <laughs> After dinner, Logan and Rory arrive home. Logan's drunk, but you could tell he had a good time with his dad.
1: Oh, well, I didn't read him as being drunk. I mean, they Really? Should be. They had two bottles of wine slash champagne, at least.
0: I thought he was playing it drunk. Not drunk like sloppy drunk, but like, I've had a couple of drinks and I'm in a good mood because of it. That's how I read it. Could be wrong. But we know from that episode where Christopher took Rory's staff out for like 10 minutes that that much wine could just get you plastered. Mm -hmm. Logan is pumped to see all the stuff that Rory has set up for him. He thinks that's great. Rory tells him things got a little weird at dinner and just admits to him that his dad wants her to like plan his life. And she kind of felt like she was betraying him behind his back. And she also felt very confused about like having this friendship with the guy that was so cruel to her previously. Logan tells her that's no big deal. She just got Huntsburgered, which is kind of like being Gilmore, but different.
1: Mm-hmm, very different.
0: Huntsburgered is where he sits you down and then charms you into thinking his way. And then you leave being like, oh, do I agree with Mitchum now? Logan basically just laughs this off and says that maybe his dad thinks he's a puppet now. But once this Wall Street Journal story hits, he doesn't think his dad will think of him as a puppet anymore. But then something happens. Roy steps away to get their coat. She wants to take him ice skating at Central Park. And then he gets a phone call. A phone call I, I knew was going to happen. I predicted this. You did. It just feels like they were setting it up. He gets a phone call from his business partner, Philip with some real bad news. The business deal that they had maybe was a trap. And now they're being sued for copyright infringement. They bought something that maybe somebody already owned. And somebody was waiting for somebody with a lot of money to buy it so they could sue them. So the company he bought, using $3 million of his own dollars, is worth nothing. Logan gets this devastating news, and then Rory comes up and is like, cool, let's go outside, here's a funny little hat. So then Logan sort of puts himself together, hides his devastation, and is like, okay, cool, let's go do your fun birthday games, and walks out the door. Ooh, I mean, you don't want to end the night on that news,
1: probably. Is it legal to trap someone like that?
0: I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess the person that sold them this stuff will just deny that they had any idea that it was copywritten by somebody else. Sure. I don't know. I don't know copyright law.
1: It just seems like not nice.
0: Also, one quick thing I forgot to mention, when they're at dinner, Logan's dad gets him like a super fancy cake, and it's sort of like exactly what he said he didn't want. He was like, I want just a regular cake.
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: Kind of showing that his dad doesn't really get him, maybe. There's also something else in dinner I didn't mention where Mitchum talks about how he knows the owner of the restaurant because he gets some snacks and stuff for free. And he says, yeah, this guy took this big gutsy risk by starting up this business here. No one thought it would make it, but he did. And it really paid off for him. And he's really successful now. And I think at the moment, Logan was like feeling energized by that Mm -hmm. because he's like, I just took a big gutsy risk that everyone thought was stupid, including you. And it's going to pay off for me. And you're going to be impressed just like. You were for this guy who owns this restaurant.
1: Also, that guy's name is Markham, which is a funny name for a friend of Mitchum. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how they met, in line for something.
1: Are you in the am M-M line yeah. yeah. Huh. Or maybe, that? yeah, they were in line for something, like at Starbucks, and then the barista called one of their names, and they both went, because they're so similar.
0: Mitchum for a milk and milk? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my whole family. <laughs> it's our favorite.
0: Love it. Love it. Fancy cakes and basic drinks. So, Stacey, was this a good episode?
1: Um, I guess it doesn't really stand out as being a good one, no, but there's some nice moments. I think that Rory doing this little special birthday for Logan is sweet, and I liked the scene about the grapes. A lot of it was funny. That Babette rooster beagle scene was very funny. And Lorelai and her mom bonding is so great, even though it may be wasn't real at the end. You know what I mean? Or right. like it didn't mean anything. That's like that it didn't mean anything, but that's how their relationship is. But that scene was so good. Mm-hmm. And Richard was being over the top, but there were some really funny jokes associated with all that. The maid being quiet. All this stuff about like him not wanting to eat the fish and the girls trying to like make the mood good.
0: When he's talking about food, and she's like, eat your fish.
1: <laughs> there was some stuff we didn't even talk about with like Lorelai trying to be positive when Emily was being negative. A lot of good jokes. Mm-hmm. But almost like Buffy, it's just not strung together super well. There's just kind of like a bunch of random stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's what Gilmore Girls is. It's less of like overall arcs for episodes like Buffy is. There's often mm-hmm. various storylines going on, but they weren't super connected. And like you said, the Luke one was barely anything. What did you think?
0: I agree with you mostly. The Emily-Lorelei bonding stuff was really nice. And the Richard stuff was really funny. So I liked all that. And the Luke stuff was just almost nothing. Really? He just heard Liz say that maybe he should be with Lorelai? Whatever. But I really liked the Mitchum Rory stuff, just because it was just so interesting drama, because I'm like, oh, yeah, this powerful, like, sort of villain that you're, like, friends with now who has changed his whole opinion of you so drastically. I thought that was all very interesting, and it made for good drama when she was... Like, every time it wasn't them at the dinner table, I'm like, are we going back to that? I want to see her talk to Mitchum, please.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, that was, like, my favorite part. There's just so much to dissect with what he was saying to her. Like, did he mean any of that? Did he mean some of that? I, I, I legitimately don't know. I think it's hard for him to deny that she's actually a good journalist when she did so well at Yale. But uh, I don't know. I would say it was pretty good. I would say it's better than Buffy. Oh,
1: well, let's, look, let's get to that officially.
0: Okay, let's officially get to that. I would say it's better than Buffy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brian, which episode do you think was better? Buffy.
0: Buffy. <laughs> I'm team Buffy, I don't care who's better. I'm kidding.
1: You think Gilmore Girls was better?
0: I do, yes. Which one do you think was better? I could at least see what was happening in Gilmore Girls.
1: I think Buffy was better?
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, I think I thought Buffy was better.
0: Interesting, everybody.
1: They're, neither of them are great, in particular. They're both kind of just like, here's where we're going with some stuff. Totally. But I thought Buffy's reveals were a little more revealing. <laughs> Gilmore was probably funnier.
0: Yeah, Gilmore was pretty funny, and I feel like the jokes in Buffy were fine. There were some funny jokes. Oh, did you mention the Willow gay joke? No. Principal Wood is like talking to Willow, and he's like, "I've heard you've been experimenting." And she's like, "What? Huh? What? Yeah, With the magics." <laughs> I thought that was funny. It would have been great if Philip had called, and he's like, "I've got some grim news for you, Logan," and then we see all the Uber Vamps. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So it looks like uh, time We went opposite ways. Interesting. It's a
1: hard one. It's a hard one. Like I mm-hmm. thought it was such a bummer that Emily. Didn't remember. Yeah. I kind of wish she would have had, like, some little glint of, like, maybe we can do that again next time. You know? Like...
0: I think what happened is that in the moment she was, like, looking past it because she was bonding with her daughter and, like, having emotions towards her daughter and wasn't really, like, dwelling in the reality of Christopher not being part of her life and how easy and... Perfectly, that fits into her life plan. And mm-hmm. later, when Lorelei's not there, she's not empathizing with Lorelei. She's not focusing on her relationship with her daughter. She's just focusing on how this will impact her life and social standing. And she has time to like think and dwell on that. And then it makes her sad and mad.
1: Yeah, it just still made me a little sad and mad.
0: No, I totally agree with you. Emily is a villain.
1: It ends on such a bummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buffy does too. There's a ton of CGI vampires coming for them.
0: Such a bummer.
1: No, they're not vampires, but you know.
0: And so many girls for them to kill now.
1: Yeah, but honestly, some got to go. I don't even know all their (laughs) names anymore. There's too many. Yeah. Buffy's got to start digging some toilet holes. That's all I know.
0: (laughs) That'd be a good way to encourage a girl. Like, listen, I'm going to dig a bunch of toilet holes, but if you die, you go in a toilet hole.
1: They're going to be big toilet holes.
0: She's a slayer. She can make a big toilet hole. Anyway.
1: Because she's strong or because her poops are bigger than normal people's?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because she's strong, honey. She doesn't make the whole with her poops.
1: I love how you say poops.
0: She's like teaching the girls, and this is how, this is the power of a slayer.
1: <laughs> I have the power.
0: You got some fiber. It's about
1: power. It's all Swelling connected. Swelling
0: music. <laughs> we can give you more power. I can't handle more power, guys. <laughs> I have destroyed my backyard. <laughs> Where's the smoke monster entering my bowl? hole? No, 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 no. Okay, well, guys, that was a lot.
1: We got off on a tange. Anyway, yeah. if you want to watch along next Yeah, I jerked next...
0: off onto a tangerine.
1: <laughs> that felt like an unnecessary joke. <laughs> yes,
0: it's, we're at the end. Okay.
1: <laughs> Quite the aim you have. Um, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 7, Episode 16, Will You Be My Lorelei Gilmore.
0: Yes, if you still want to watch along next week, even after everything we just said. We will also be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 7, Episode 16, Storyteller, which if I remember, I really liked.
1: I know where the title from the Gilmore episode comes from, but I can't remember much about the episode specifically. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast.
0: Where is Giles?
1: Where is Giles?
0: Do you think Buffy should have taken the power?
1: Why do you think Emily didn't want to acknowledge the good time she had with her daughter?
0: What do you think about what Mitchum said? Do you think he's changed his opinion on Rory? Or he's just buttering her up.
1: What's your favorite childhood birthday memory?
0: You ever had moths? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more.
1: Or send us an email at reviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY.
0: For more bonus content, please find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacey, where we post weekly video recaps of the show. Angel hosts monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews.
1: And for more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey.
0: If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation to your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios.
1: And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast.
0: Alright, I gotta I go dig a hole. What kind? Toilet hole. You wanna just stay here and vibe? Peace. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>